Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. I know a pastor who preached this sermon. I have to fight to maintain a wartime mentality. And he preached, the world tries to lull me into thinking everything is fine, drift along with the world, things are great. And he, had to, he said, no, I have to fight to remember things are not fine with the world. We are in a war. The war is to bring the kingdom of God to a lost world. <laughs> Today we're going to study four mini parables of the Lord Jesus Christ, short little parables. The point of these parables is to shake us into remembering there's something so much better than the world. Don't settle for the world. You want the kingdom. So would you open up your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 13, and before we look at these four parables of the kingdom, let's pray. Father, we do pray that for all of our listeners now, you will speak to us through these scriptures. Help us not settle for the world or drift along with the world. God, put our eyes now on the kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 31. Jesus presented another parable to them. Let's stop there. Do you know what the word parable means? In the Greek, literally, it's to lay alongside. Jesus would tell a story to the crowd, and then later, privately to the disciples, he would lay alongside what it really meant. All right, here we go. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Let's stop there. Do you know what the kingdom of heaven is? When you pray the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, what are you praying for? You're praying for two kind of different things. You're praying present tense, may your kingdom come. That means the church. And you're praying, Lord, present tense, may your kingdom come. And through the missionaries, may many people be brought into the kingdom. But when you pray thy kingdom come, you're praying a second thing too, future tense. That's talking about the final reign of Christ that'll happen at the second coming at the end of time. So when you're praying thy kingdom come, through the missionaries today, but then through Jesus Christ at the end of time. For the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which, is, which a man took and sowed in his field, and it is the smaller of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it becomes larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in, it, in its branches. Now, this parable of the mustard seed, Jesus never explained. So we're left on our own to figure out what this means. Right before the cameras started rolling, I asked two different men here, what do you think the tiny mustard seed becoming a huge plant means? And they had two very different interpretations. So here's what I want to encourage you. Here's the, the first lesson. Get some commentaries. 
Christians have been reading the Bible. Scholars have been studying this book for 2,000 years. I don't try to understand the Bible all by myself. Get the ESV study Bible. Get some good Bible commentaries. But here is what most of the commentators think the parable of the mustard seed means. Here it is. The tiny church will become huge. When Jesus died, about 11 men and a few women believed in him. It was a very tiny church. Today, Christianity is the largest single religion on the planet. We're bigger than Islam, bigger than Hinduism, bigger than Buddhism. And I think the parable of the mustard seed is, yeah, it'll start out tiny, but one day the church will become huge. Let me tell you the story of St. Boniface. St. Boniface was born in 680 AD. Listen to the story. He was an English monk. He lived until age 42 in Winchester, England. But then he went to Rome, and in 722, he received a promotion from Pope Gregory II. The Pope declared Boniface Bishop of the German frontier and sent him to preach to the pagan Germans. When he got to Germany, there was a place called the Sacred Oak of Thor. It was the chief object of worship. One night, Boniface cut down the sacred tree, and then he waited for his deed to be discovered by the pagans. He cheerfully admitted that he had done the deed. The angry worshipers of Thor were ready to kill him, but Boniface reminded the people of their belief that if anyone cut down the tree of Thor, Thor himself would show up and kill the evildoer. So, said Boniface, if Thor is a true god, let him come kill me himself. They waited. Nothing happened. Boniface said, there is no Thor. My God, Jesus Christ, will protect me from harm. The people listened. When they saw that nothing happened, they converted to Christianity. And then, with the wood from the sacred oak of Thor, Boniface built the first Christian chapel in Germany. When he was in his 70s, he worked many years converting people in Germany. In his 70s, he was on a mission frontier again, proclaiming the gospel. On June 5, 754, Boniface and his friends were waiting for converts to arrive who were to be confirmed. Suddenly, he was attacked, and all who were with him were killed. But Boniface is called today the greatest missionary of the Dark Ages. And I tell that story to make the point of the parable of the mustard seed. One tiny man goes to Germany, and hundreds and ultimately thousands of people get converted. <laughs> Sometimes we got to remember that the church is huge. I mean, there are Christian denominations who think that the tiny seed stays tiny, and unless you speak in tongues, you're not saved, or unless you're totally immersed in water uh, as an adult, you're not saved. And no, the tiny church doesn't stay tiny, it becomes huge. I think there are true Christians in all denominations. And another point, sometimes one tiny word that you say can become a huge plant. <laughs> one of my earliest memories, I was about five years old. I couldn't sleep at night. I walk out in the living room and I'm crying, Mom and Dad, I can't sleep. And I remember what I said. I'm thinking about Bugs Bunny and cartoons and other stuff, but I can't get to sleep. Mom said, Tommy, just think about Jesus and you'll go to sleep. When I was five, the only thing I knew about Jesus were two songs from Sunday school, Jesus Loves Little Children, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. I went to bed that night 
and sang those two songs in my head over and over till I went to sleep. I did that for years. <laughs> I think that did something to me. One little word you say can become a huge plant. Here's a missionary from China speaking at a church in America, taking up a collection to go back to China. A little boy comes up after the service. Well, mister, I thought of giving you my quarter, but I thought, what could my little quarter do? The missionary says, well, why don't you give it to me and we'll see. The missionary goes back to China. Later, he's coming back on furlough, <clears throat> preaches in the same church. Little boy comes up after church. Sir, do you remember me? Yes. You remember my quarter? Yes. Well, what happened to my quarter? The missionary said, I was traveling through China. There was a small village that I couldn't stop at, so I handed them a copy of the New Testament in Chinese. I went and later I came back. They had read the entire New Testament aloud. The people were waiting to get baptized. And he said, you know what it costs to print a New Testament in Chinese, little boy? 25 cents. <laughs> One little thing you do can become a huge mustard tree. Look at verse 44. Next, next parable is the parable of the hidden treasure. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid, and from joy over it he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. Here's the next lesson. Do whatever to get the kingdom. Do, get rid of whatever, sell whatever to get the kingdom. Origen was born in 185 A.D., when he read the verse where Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off, he took that literally and castrated himself. I don't think that's what Jesus meant by that verse, but he, the spirit of origin is good. Do whatever you have to to get the kingdom. Do you have problems looking at pornography on the internet? I want to encourage you, do whatever you have to to get rid of that. Google something called Covenant Eyes. It's a group where they'll put filters on your computer uh, and it'll make it, and on your iPhone, and Covenant Eyes, Google that, and if you have a problem with, with pornography on the computer, do whatever you have to to get rid of stuff that is hurting your walk with the Lord. Verse 44 says, And from joy upon finding the field the treasure in the field. Here's the next lesson. The kingdom causes joy. When you discover what you have in Christ, you get excited. I remember years ago hearing a preacher say, if your faith in Jesus Christ doesn't periodically make you want to jump up and down and shout, something's wrong. <laughs> a Scotsman converted to Christ and he said these words, I'm happier now when I'm not happy than I was before when I was happy. <laughs> and then look at verse 44. It says, the kingdom of God is like a treasure. There's the next lesson. The kingdom is the highest treasure that there is. Don't settle for the world. A man from Indiana was walking down the street one morning in St. Louis. 
and he was sightseeing, and he sees a policeman. He says, you know, I want to go to a church service this morning, Sunday morning. Can you recommend a church? policeman says, well, I'm not a religious man. I don't go to church, but I'd go down to the left and two blocks, and I'd go to that church. And the man says, you probably have a number of churches on your, on your beat. Why do you recommend that church? And the policeman said, because I have noticed through the years the happiest people in St. Louis come out of that door of that church on Sunday morning. <laughs> Do you realize what a treasure we have in Christ? I love the old song. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have mansions untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be held in his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. That's the point of this parable. He's the highest treasure. Don't miss it. <laughs> and now we're going to the next parable, the parable of the great pearl. Look at verse 45. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. All right, what's the main point of that parable? Same as the prior parable. Do whatever to get the kingdom. I was told of a lady that was sitting, this is years ago when you could smoke on the airplane and when they still fed you food on the airplane. She said that she was sitting next to a beautiful, thin fashion model. But when they brought the food out, she noticed the fashion model took her cigarette and put it out in the dessert. So she couldn't eat her dessert. <laughs> and what she was doing, she was doing what she had to do to get the figure that she had. That's the point of the parable of the pearls. Do whatever you have to, sell whatever you have to, to get the kingdom. Next is the last parable. It's called the parable of the fishing net, verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea, and it gathered fish of every kind. Here's the next lesson. There are all kinds of fish in the church. I don't assume because somebody has gone to church for 50 years that they're a Christian because Jesus' little church of 12 men had one rotten fish in it, Judas. So my guess is every church has people in it that aren't really Christians. This is why we preach salvation to church people because only God knows if they're saved. I mean, you've heard this, me say this before. Walking into a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than walking into a barn makes you a cow. We get that from this. The church has all kinds in it. But look at verse 48. And when it was filled, they drew up the net on the beach, and they sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the age. Here's the next lesson. There will be an end you know, most people live their life like the world's going to go on forever. I'm going to go on forever. And this verse teaches, no, there's going to be an end. I remember years ago, 
I was walking on the sidewalk in downtown Chicago. Tons of people on the sidewalk. And I, I was kind of getting depressed because it seemed to me like Chicago's kind of a rough city and anybody on the sidewalk thinking about God. I turned the corner and here's a man preaching on the street corner. And I just thought, I, and he wasn't being kooky, he wasn't screaming, he was just preaching and it was good. He was preaching heaven and hell and the need for Christ and it was such a breath of fresh air. You know what he was doing? He was reminding people there's going to be an end to this world. Verse 49, so it will be at the end of the age, the angels shall come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous. Here's the next lesson. There will be a final separation. You know, the age old question is, why does God let good people suffer and evil people prosper? Why doesn't God do something? You know, uh, why is it that Christians are being beheaded by is ISIS? You know, why does God allow this? And you know, the answer is, according to the Bible, God will do something. It's called the second coming. There will be a final separation. And then, last lesson is verse 50. And they will cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here's the last lesson from the fishing net parable. There will be a heaven and a hell. I can remember when I was a teenager, I, I kind of doubted the doctrine of hell. When I, in college, reread my Bible and started to believe in hell, everything changed for me. That's when I started talking to my family and friends about Christ. I haven't shut up since. There will be a heaven and a hell. Um, story many years ago of a pastor in Norway. He goes and visits a home and he says, you know, Mr. So-and-so, your wife and your children, they're in church every Sunday. Just, just wouldn't it be good for the sake of your soul if you started coming to church? The man never showed up until years later, the man showed up at his funeral and his corpse is in the front of the church. And the pastor did something I would never do, but according to the story, during the sermon, the pastor came down from the pulpit, pointed at the casket and said to the man in Norwegian, Fursent, Fursent, which means in Norway, too late, too late, too late for you to come to church now. <laughs> Jesus said there's a heaven and a hell. Are you ready for that? Somebody went to a funeral and gave me this. This lady knew she was dying, so she read a letter to be, she wrote a letter to be read at her own funeral. And here's what she said. If you are hearing this letter read, I have passed on, not just passed away, but passed on to my new glorious home. Please do not mourn too long. I am excited to see my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Know that God is the only source of true joy. He wants to give it to you. You need only to turn to him and receive it. Memorize his promises. Keep them deep in your heart. Forever yours, Mary. And then she writes, The clock of life is wound but once, and no man has the power to tell just when the hands will stop, on what day or what hour. Her point is, there's a heaven and a hell. You ready for your death? 
All right, let's review. What have we learned from these four mini parables about the kingdom? Well, the tiny church will become huge. Do whatever you have to to get the kingdom. The kingdom causes joy. The kingdom is the highest treasure. There will be an end to all things. There will be a final separation. And at the end, there will be a heaven and a hell. That is what Jesus taught about the kingdom. Don't drift along with the world. Fight to maintain a kingdom mentality. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, why did Jesus tell parables? Yeah, and you know, some people think, well, to make things easy to understand, but you know the opposite is true? I think parables are sometimes hard to well, understand. Well, especially if they weren't explained. <laughs> but he, here's the deal, Jackie. Why, they said, why, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus said, so that hearing they may not hear and seeing they may not see. And then later, Jesus would explain the parables privately to the disciples, but not to the whole crowd. So, but, so here's what happened. Initially, Jesus told the parables and they kind of had hidden meaning. Ultimately, later, when the disciples wrote the New Testament, they explained the parables and the meaning Jesus had given. But see, Jesus was hiding certain things for his three years of ministry. People didn't have a right understanding of the Messiah, so he had to kind of hide the fact that he's the Messiah because he wasn't here to kill Pontius Pilate like the Jews thought. He had a different Messiahship. Later, the, the parables would be used to make things clear, but initially, people didn't know what they meant. <laughs> Well, people must have gotten confused listening to Jesus tell a story yeah. like that, too, because right. it and wouldn't have been what they would have expected. Right. And so, again, ultimately, the parables do make things clear. But initially, it's kind of a different story. Okay. You've been talking about commentaries in that and mm -hmm. several of your past sermons in that. What commentaries do you recommend for a person yep. to use? I like the English Standard Version Study Bible the ESV Study Bible. Um, you gotta be careful on commentaries because there are some very liberal Christian scholars who will write things like, Jesus never really said this. Well, what? You know. So just be careful. Um, Zondervan, Erdman's, um, Baker Publishing House, uh, Crossways, they tend to publish really good conservative commentaries, but uh, I'd be aware of things like Knox Press, uh, Fortress Press, which is the ELCA Lutheran Publishing House, can be very, very liberal. How did we get so liberal over such important things? <laughs> I know, Jackie, it ain't my grandma's Lutheran church. Yep. That's all I can tell you. Yep. So, do you believe in a literal hellfire with eternal torment? Mm -hmm. The end of the parable of the fishing net talks about people being cast into, into fire. And, you know, the question is, 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 is hellfire literal? Will people literally be burning in hell, or is it symbolic? I think the good answer to that is, it doesn't matter. I don't want to go there. Whether the suffering in hell is literal hellfire or if it's spiritual hellfire, the point is you don't want to go. It's a place of eternal torment one way or another. Okay. So why would a loving God send people to hell for eternity? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, here's my answer to that. What, what 
belies that question is, we people are so wonderful. How could God send any of us to hell? And you've got to have God open your eyes to see we are so sinful. I heard a, a quote from a pastor that I thought was great. He said, we Christians are more sinful than we think, but we are more loved than we will ever know. Both are true. So how could God send someone to hell for eternity? Well, in one sense, it's what they've chosen. When you reject Christ, you get an eternity without Christ. And, and, and Jackie, one more thing. Whether hell makes sense to you or not, and I, I said in my sermon, it didn't make sense to me when I was in high school, so I kind of didn't believe it. The Bible teaches it. Jesus talks about hell more than any other person in the Bible. And if you believe Jesus is your Savior, then we have the duty to submit to his belief on that topic. Okay, I guess I'm still a little confused, though. People die every day right now. Mm -hmm. But do they go immediately to heaven, or are they going to go through the judgment later? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I yep. guess it's confusing That's to good. Yep. even and me. I, here's <laughs> the way I, the Bible teaches two things. You go immediately when you die to heaven or hell. The Bible also teaches you're going to be raised on the last day. I just had a guy write me this question. Here's my response. Your spirit does go to heaven or hell right when you die. That's from Luke chapter 15. But you don't get your perfect new body until judgment day. So my grandma, who is in heaven with Christ, is waiting for the last day to get her perfect new resurrection body. But I do think you go to heaven or hell upon death. Upon death. Upon death, and the, but we'll still all go through Judgment Day. So how all that works, only the Lord knows, but both are true. If you're in heaven, and then you will go through Judgment Day? You will go day? through Judgment Day to determine your rewards will in heaven. Christ return you to the earth to go through uh, the it, it talks about Jesus returning with his holy ones. So I think when Christ returns, the saints come with him. Yeah. Okay. Pastor Brock, we've only got a little over a minute left mm -hmm. in that. So um, is there anything you'd like to talk about that would okay. end this program sure. on the right note? Uh, everybody, just um, what I want to encourage you to do is pray for our ministry. We get great mail from all over the country and people that watch our show and some of them are elderly and can't get to church and others uh, go to church but then come and tune us in. So just thank you for watching. Thanks for praying for this ministry. If you would be nudged by the Holy Spirit to help us stay on the air, the more money we get, the more TV time we buy. So uh, you'll see a address in just a minute, and people also don't, uh, support us by going online, or sometimes people support us by writing a check. But that's just more than that. Just pray for us, and the Lord will take care of us. And, and also on the website, yeah, they yeah. can get any of our shows. Right. If you've missed shows and just started watching, yep. If you go to the website, you can pick up a list of titles and you can watch anytime you want. Good. And you can see at the website what time in your town the show is on. So go to pastorstudy.org, two S's, and we'll see you next time. God bless. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? you may do so at pastorstudy.org or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by The Pastor Study, 
Would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the Pastor's Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.